Welcome to the Latino Business Report. This podcast covers business, people, and issues of the day from a Latino perspective. The Latino Business Report is brought to you by TAMAC, the Texas Association of Mexican-American Chambers of Commerce. TAMAC is the leading Hispanic business organization in Texas since 1975. Now for your host, J.R. Gonzalez. And welcome to the relaunch of the Latino Business Report. Today we're going to be talking about marketing, business growth, and branding. We have a very special guest, um, Hamid Yaz. Okay, yes, Hamid. <laughs> Hamid, this is a Latino Business Report. Yes, Hamid yes. is Iranian, but uh, he's fluent in Spanish and probably knows more than a lot of Latinos know. So, Hamid, <laughs> thank you and welcome to, and, and welcome to the show. Why, thank you for having me, or si quieres le digo en español, muchas gracias por andar aquí, ah, pues Vamos a hablar inglés. Okay, we're going to be speaking English today, so thank you very I much. I want to throw a curveball in there. You may, you may. Hey, yes, yeah, just for, for the audience's yes, uh, sir. Uh, edification and my own uh, well-being, pronounce that last name again for me. Okay, so it's Yaz for short, Yaz Danpana for the full name, but since a lot of people can't pronounce it, I say Yaz, keep it short, keep it sweetie, vamonos. Okay, so, all right, that's fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. All right, question. Yes. Uh, you are an entrepreneur. Yes, sir. You are a marketer. Yes, sir. You travel all different parts of the country and stuff. I went to people. Mexico, actually, too, to do a workshop, yeah. Well, you actually lived in Mexico for a while, didn't you? Yep, uh, two years, back in the 90s, yeah. Two years, all right. Well, why don't we go ahead and get started. Well, before we get started, yes, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this field. Okay, well, I kind of, in early 2000s, I really liked video and video work and obviously Handycam. So eventually this thing came called YouTube came out and I was really excited that I was like, wait a second, these people let you put video on the internet for free? So what I was doing at the time, I want to say uh, 06, more like 07, I was going around town recording a bunch of cool stuff in Austin, the live shows, you know, music capital of the world, all kinds of cool stuff, hanging with a different crowd, started getting really popular. I got millions of views on the internet, everything's going cool, everybody knows me everywhere. And the funny thing was, there was a TV show here in Austin, Texas, that was um, supposed to have me on as a guest. And the executive producer said, oh, man, this guy, I don't know, he's a little too wild. The funny thing was, it was a hip-hop show that they did, like, music videos and such. So anyways, they basically kind of sidelined me, curved me, right? And when that happened is when I told myself in, I want to say, middle of 07, I've got millions of views on the Internet. Everything is cool. People know me everywhere. But yet, these people said, you can't come on our show. So guess what I did? Started your own show. I started my own show. How can you be too wild for a hip-hop show? I don't know. That That's the thing. But, of course, I think maybe the, the uh, producer was a little bit more conservative because the host was all cool. He's the one that got me connected. And the producer, maybe, I, I don't know. Who knows? So bottom line is, in 07 is when I went to the local TV station. I said, what do I got to do to get my own show? They told me, take the classes, learn the equipment. Basically, you can have your own show. Cool. This is for public television. Yes. Okay. And it was at that moment in the, or that year in 07 is when I really started learning how to use the big cameras and then doing stuff on TV. So now I got the internet going nuts. I got stuff on local TV. Now I've got people hitting me up to do commercials for them. So I'm like, okay, cool. But here's the thing, though. I didn't know anything about the advertising world. 
I knew the technical part of shooting a commercial, shooting a music video, but I didn't know anything about being an ad agency. So by, I guess you could say realistically, by default, now keep in mind, this is now 08-ish, I think, maybe 09, maybe 09. By default, I kind of started doing advertisements for people, and I was like, wait a second, if I call myself an ad agency, I keep 15%, and I can also shoot a commercial? Oh, this is great. So that's what I started doing. And then, of course, I transitioned out of more the cool stuff around Austin into starting an advertising agency, bringing people together, somebody to do the book, or, I mean, I'm sorry, bookkeeping, somebody to do graphic design, someone to do computer work. I was doing the advertising slash video work. And that was really what got me started in the whole marketing thing because I was like, now keep in mind, this is two, 2009, 2010. But the reality is your average local business owner anywhere, whether it was Austin, Buda, Kyle, doesn't matter, El Paso, nobody believed in this thing called YouTube because they didn't know how it would convert to actual sales. Television commercials, yes. YouTube and digital stuff, no, no, no. And that's where you got your start. That's where I officially got my start, and that's really how it all happened. But weren't you were also a business owner, too, I mean, besides yep. an ad agency? Yep. I had what, a dessert company for five years, yeah. And tell me about that dessert company real quick. So I want to say it was, what is it, June 3rd of 2015, because I know how to sell. I mean, I can sell ice to an Eskimo, whatever, you know, throw some flavoring in there, call it a snow cone. No? Or raspa. Or raspa, yukis, <laughs> depending on where you're from. <laughs> I remember living in Mexico and they used to, the little viejito used to go down the road on his bicycle, you know, the tricycle mm-hmm. with the thing in the back, the, I mean, I'm sorry, the igloo in the back, yukis, yukis with the little bell. I know it well. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And uh, so what I was doing was I said, I want to sell product. I want to be able, before I even start talking about business, because I love to read books, I watch movies, I read, I watch videos, but here's the reality. Nobody cares if you've never actually done something. It's just like someone going on the internet, oh, I can do this, I can do that. Okay, well, have you actually built a business? Have you had your product in convenience stores? What about restaurants? What was the distribution like? What camp, What marketing campaigns did you run? So when I had the food trailer going, the restaurants, the call centers, the deals with the schools, I mean, money was flowing from so many different ways. And the reason why I built that business to begin with was a marketing play toy to prove that I could, one, not just build a brand, but two, to sell some product. And that's exactly what I did. And I made it a really cool thing that no one in Austin had seen before. And I mean, they called it diabetes on wheels when I would go from one place to another because it was sugar, 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 sugar. What kind of desserts were they? Um, Check, check. I'm going to tell you a wild one. Okay. By the way, if anyone obviously is on Instagram, just look up Stumpy's 512. Imagine uh, like a stump leg, Stumpy's 512. I started with one marshmallow log, JR, literally putting chocolate on a marshmallow and throwing some gummy worms on top. And then that turned into the marshmallow log. And then it turned into pecan pies. And of course it turned into brownies. But see, my thing was all about efficiency. So while all these other local businesses were so proud of their grandmama's, the abuelita's recipe, and I was going to Restaurant Depot, brother. I was getting sheets of brownies, drizzling some chocolate or some cajeta, whatever it is, selling them at the restaurants and the, the convenience stores, wherever. But, but here's where the funniest thing, though. You're going to laugh. You ready? I'm ready to laugh. 
I was lit. Now, I got this video on YouTube, by the way. Look up Hamid Yaz on YouTube. I talk about this. <laughs> this To me, this is the, the ultimate entrepreneur hustle. But, of course, there were hundreds of others. But this is one that I can talk about for a lifetime. I wanted to sell those mini pecan pies that they sell at Walmart, right? Okay. So I contacted the company. It's called Table Talk Pies. They just white label them for Walmart, just an FYI, okay? Table Talk Pies. I contacted them. Because I was a local person and because obviously I wasn't buying in bulk, the pies were going to cost me to get to me a dollar and 10 cents a piece, okay? But I was like, damn, I'm not going to pay a dollar and 10 cents. Walmart got the same pie for 50 cents, literally the same exact pie. So I started going to the Walmart, okay? I had to go to different Walmarts, just an FYI. And this is the, I don't know if it's the Persian side or the Mexican side, because we're always on the hustle, okay? <laughs> so I was going to different Walmarts all over town, getting hundreds of pies a week. I mean, by the case, the case was 24, 50 cents a piece, $12 a case. So they would ask me, what do you do? I said, oh, I'm a caterer. Oh, okay, cool. So they were selling me box after box after box. JR, all I was doing was literally getting the pie out of a little, you know, cajita that mm -hmm. it comes in in the, in the Walmart. In the, in the container. In the container. Drizzling some chocolate on, melting chocolate, drizzling chocolate, make it look fancy. Drop a little marshmallow in the middle. And I was wholesaling those same exact pies in a 10 cent clear three inch uh, uh, container, okay? Clear container with a three cent black and white label for a dollar ninety cents to convenience stores and restaurants. But when I was at the trailer, those pies were going for three dollars. Now, also at the trailer, you could get oh, you wanted ice cream? Don't worry, I got you. Ice cream and a uh, uh, caramel on top or cajeta, chocolate. That was four seventy five. So that was just. And your cost on that was what, under 50 a buck? 50 cents. Well, I mean, if you, if you want to factor in the, the container, and let's just say realistically, 65 to 70 cents. And I could literally get them by the, um, by the case. And all these people at Walmart, all these women that worked in the bakery thought I was some big wedding caterer when really I was just silly. Buying, Reselling it. I was buying the pies from Walmart and selling them at the convenience store, the restaurants directly behind the Walmarts, some of them. Ain't that something? The hustle. The well, you got to love it. That's why I love America, because you can pull that off. And yeah, that's why you were on the show, Hamid. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> the so, Persian comes you did, So your, your dad's Iranian, your mom's yes. Mexican. Yes, yes. Okay. She's, uh, she was born in El Alamo, Santiago, Nuevo Leon, and my dad is from Shiraz, Iran. And I was actually born in Monterrey. Just okay. FYI, yeah. So you felt, you have, you felt the pain of the chancla. Yes, many okay. pains of the chunklas. And then on my dad, it was either the hand or the belt, the big leather belts. Remember those? My dad may be listening. No, I've never seen one of those. Oh, well, yeah. maybe that was oh, a Persian yeah. thing. Yeah, no, I've seen them. <laughs> okay, so um, you, were in the, you were in the business for five years. Why did you yep. get out of the dessert business? Well, because the whole thing was to be able that I could prove, I'm sorry, to prove that I could build a brand. Now, the plan was for five years, but here's a funny thing. Somehow I got connected with an organization, SCORE, that a lot of people know about, mm -hmm. obviously here in Texas and obviously beyond. So then uh, SCORE sent me off to Univision to go do, I think it was 20, I believe it was 2018, to do Possible ATX. Now okay. remember, they send the Persian guy to go do a, uh, a workshop for Univision. 
And when that happened is when I started getting connected with other organizations, people started paying attention, people started booking me, people started hitting me up on Instagram. So now I'm like, I love the business, I love what I'm doing, I'm making money, but the tricky part was making the transition, like what do I do? Do I keep going or do I do what I wanted to do to begin with with my five-year plan? So that five-year plan basically got you know, fast forwarded about, I don't know, eight months, nine months, okay. whatever it was. And that's where I'm at now. And okay. COVID threw everything off, but hey, we're bouncing back. So you've uh, obviously been a very successful entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. Been out there hustling. Too. Yeah, doing fun the hustle. The most thing, yeah. Getting out. So what are some of the tips you have for some of the upstart businesses or maybe some of the established business owners we have there that are looking in this, not necessarily in this new world of COVID, but where's some of the basics that they need to know to make sure that they succeed and grow their business? Yeah, well, there's so many, but just I'm going to give the initial template because I'm sure we're going to go into, you know, obviously throughout the series and different things we talk about, there will be different things specifically. But the basics, number one, and I learned this actually from my mom, which I think she learned it from Diddy, from Puff Daddy. (laughs) Don't chase. Yeah, I know. She told me, what Diddy said it. I'm like, okay, it's legit. But I learned this. I don't say the hard way. But when you got Persian blood in you, it's all about the feria, man. It's like, hey, let's make the, let's make that money. But this is what I learned as I got older. Don't do it for the money, okay? Do it for the love of what you're doing first, and the money will come. Because the more love and the more passion you put into it, the more people see you're authentic and you're really about what you're really doing. And you're not just trying to do it for a quick buck. Like all these real estate agents that watch these real estate shows and say, oh, there's a lot of money in real estate. I want to be a real estate agent. So they're just there because of the, well, I don't say all of them, but some of them are there for the money. So number one, do it authentically for the passion of the industry or the specific thing that you're doing first. Because there's no point in being or starting any business if you're not passionate about it. And in my case, and I said this at a a convention, your convention actually, I told people I'm willing to die for my business. And what I mean by that is, if if I gotta work 20 hours, 22 hours a day for nine months straight to make sure it gets to the level where I need it to get, and my body todo se va pa fuera, and you know, I deteriorate, hey, let it be. So in other words, chase the passion and not the dollar. Yeah, the dollar will come. The dollar will come. Uh, Number two, educate yourself on what the heck you're doing to begin with, because you might say, oh, I ran a restaurant for years, but that doesn't mean you know how to uh, grow a restaurant. Being a manager is different than being the entrepreneur. And being the technician, like I meet a lot of people that they make really good barbecue, right? And they want to go and open up a barbecue restaurant like one of my previous clients did. I'm sorry, accounts. And what they did was they were winning all of these blue ribbons, whatever, you know, all of these awards. And then they put $100,000 into a restaurant that only lasted two years because they were the technician trying to be the entrepreneur slash trying to be the manager of the restaurant, too. And you, you have to learn all three, but you don't want to stay all three. That's not what you're in business for. So do what you do best. Do what you do best and find a way to hire the people that can basically fill in the gaps. My mother's a bookkeeper. She has a client right now that makes over $100,000 a year for herself. I won't say the name of the restaurant, but guess where you can find her at noon? Flipping the fajitas in the back. 
She's doing a $13 an hour job. She's the highest paid cook that she has. Because she has the quality control and she knows how to cook those fajitas. Yep. And she doesn't trust anybody else, which is a horrible way to run, in my opinion at least, horrible way to, to run a business, especially if you're making a hundred grand, you can grow your business, but instead you want to sweat over un comal caliente with all the <laughs> grease yeah. hitting you. Hey, I don't recommend it personally. Well, you may not recommend it for a hundred grand. I mean... <laughs> Well, I mean, you can you can find somebody. This isn't True. something like a one week, two week thing. I mean, this has been going on for a long time. Yeah, but yeah, you just said. I mean, find your passion. If that's her passion, is cooking them fajitas. Maybe she's doing doing the right thing for herself. And she needs to hire a general manager, or someone that can help grow the maybe another location. But also, here's another thing: a lot of business owners, because in my eyes, a business owner and entrepreneur are two different things. First of all. And a lot of business owners think they're entrepreneurs, but they're really not. They literally just run four walls. That's it. Okay. Well, let's, let's for, for the sake of the audience and uh, my own yeah, yeah. Uh, questions here, explain the difference. What's the difference between a business owner and an entrepreneur? Perfect. So here's a scoop. When I started my dessert business, Stumpy's, I was going to the farmer's market. It was like $35, we'll say, right, to get a booth at the... Um, Fifth and Comal, whatever the street was, I forget. Uh, I forget the name of the farmer's in market. In Austin. Yeah, it was, it was in Austin, downtown Austin. Every Saturday, I believe it was. 35 bucks. And I would talk to the, the farmers that had the veggies and the, the handmade chocolate and the bread. And they told me they're entrepreneurs, right? I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And when I start questioning them, I number one, I realized they don't do anything other than sell at that booth, okay? They don't do events, outside of the farmer's market. They don't have their stuff in convenience stores. They don't have a trailer. They don't have this. 20 different things that other avenues of money that could be bringing in, they're not focused on it. They're simply focused on if someone comes to their table and buys some, como se llama este, beef jerky. If they buy some beef jerky, they made a sale and they're happy, okay? So here's, now here's a twist. Now let's scale that up. You have restaurant owners as well. As long as uh, somebody comes in the door and makes a purchase, hey, they're in business, they're doing good, they have a line out the door, we'll just say, that's not an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur will say, like my buddies at a slab barbecue, the owners of slab, shout out to Mark and Ralph and Jason, okay? Those guys said, okay, we started as a food truck, which was all Mark, by the way, started a restaurant, then opened up another restaurant. I think they have the third location in, uh, I think they already opened, I'm not sure. But then they got the food trucks going. They got the events where they go to different uh, call centers. They do catering. I mean, I could go on and on and on. They've got so many different avenues that that's bringing in money. That's entrepreneurship. Not standing at a cash register just waiting for one sale. Because what's going to happen when it rains really hard and nobody wants to come? And I know restaurant owners... Uh, prolific ones here in Austin that have told me they don't believe in Uber. They don't believe in, uh, como se llama el otro? Uh, Grubhub or? Grubhub and all. They don't believe in that because their restaurants aren't designed to actually, they don't want the Uber guy or girl standing in line where their customers are trying to pay. So they don't do Uber and they don't do this. And they didn't last during COVID. And these are one in particular as a very big guy very well known in Austin. And still maintained their sales and was successful. Well, they close it. They close it and close it and close it and close it. And then now they're trying to bounce back. But all these people were out of jobs when everybody's at home 
wanting everything delivered, the restaurant owner was very, uh, como se dice en español, like he was very uh, stubborn. I don't believe in Uber. That's da, 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 da. Okay. All these people are out of work now and you're not making no money. Because he didn't want to give away 10 to 20% and this and that. I could go on and on, but you get what I'm saying. Though. Okay. So business owners, entrepreneurs, two different things. Business owner focuses on the four walls, which I, we know, uh, just theoretically speaking, four walls and just whatever comes in the door. An entrepreneur says, how can I turn this money-making machine into seven, eight different so ways to make money? So it would be safe to say an entrepreneur is more like a leader and a business owner is more like a manager. Uh, an entrepreneur, I'd say, is more of a grower. Okay. More of a grower, and the biz- and the business owner is basically like a manager. Yes, I'm just managing my day to day operations and this and that. That's it. Okay. Does it make sense though? Too makes sense. Branding. How important is branding in a business? Okay, branding has to be one of the most important things you look at because the whole goal of branding. Okay, and this is what a lot of if you simply understand this, what I'm this answer I'm going to give you. Okay. The whole goal of branding is to become the first or the only one that comes to mind. Now, let me tell you why. Let's say, for example, JR, I say, hey, man, let's go get some tacos after this. And you're like, oh, man, that's great. I'm like, yeah, man, I got you, man. Don't worry. I got 20 bucks, 30 bucks. Let's go. What's going to be the first place you say to go to? Well, I'm not going to say it on the air right now because okay, there's okay, too but, many but, taco places around here. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, I, mean, I bet your buddies with all of them. Yeah. But, but here's the thing. If I, let's say if I come from El Paso. Let's say if I'm a member and I come from El Paso, JR, take me to the best tacos anywhere nearby. There's going to be that one. Absolutely. Well, you ask me where the best tamales are. Okay, or tamales. Like tamales, I mean. It could be tamales. It could be tacos. Delia's it could be tamales from South Texas. You know yep. what I mean? It could be pecan pie. So what happens is a lot of people aren't focusing on becoming the first or the only one that comes to mind. That is so important, but here's how you do that. Okay, here's the trick. Here's the literally broken down ingredient. We're gonna break down the mole, and I'm gonna tell you what it is. It's expectation, it's reputation, and it's consistency. Repeat that one more time. Simple, expectation, reputation, and consistency. Those three things Let's give a quick analogy. Imagine you're going to, you're going to go get groceries, right? Let's say your cousin comes from out of town. Let's go get some groceries because they're staying for a week, right? And they say, <laughs> no, no, I don't want my cousin in my house for a week. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say, you know the primo, the one that's always yeah, sipping the uh-huh. Bud Light and, hey, primo, let me try otro. Put a party. Another one. Yeah, whatever, whatever it is, whatever it is, right? Whoever. And they say, hey, let's go to Whole Foods, Okay. Stop and think about what comes to your mind. Now let's say, let's go to Walmart. Now let's say, they say, let's go to HEB. When they say those three, you've already kind of clicked in your mind, maybe, maybe it's a cousin you haven't seen in years. I don't want to say what kind of person they are, but you know the brand of Walmart. You know the brand of HEB. You know the brand of Whole Foods. Once again, expectation, reputation, and consistency. And then it's a matter of packaging that up and pushing it out there to the world. And then that's when the marketing comes in too, because there's obviously that's a whole nother can of worms too, but. So with the branding, the consistency. Expectation, reputation, and consistency. And that kind of goes along with, uh, well, just top of mind. I mean, it's top of mind marketing. When people hear something, like when I think of La Margarita restaurant, Mi Tierras, down down in San Antonio, it's it's a certain thing. I do have that expectation. Exactly. You get, get some good stuff, 
and it's going to be open 24, 24 oh. hours a day, seven days a week. Okay. And it could be a whole, it could also be, by the way, a hole in the wall place. And it doesn't have to be okay, all fancy and this, it could be a hole in the wall place. Well, when you're in business, do you have to be the best? No, you got to be the favorite. Because let me tell you why, okay? Now, depending on what you do, let me rephrase what I just said. Let me backtrack because I don't want people getting thrown off, okay? It depends. You can either say, and let's just let's talk about attorneys. Let's just talk about attorney. Who are you getting tired of to see on TV? I already know you're thinking, I'm thinking. Who are you honestly tired of seeing? Nobody. He's on the internet. He's on TV. He's on the bill or she. Who is it? Say, say the name. I'll, I'll say the name. Well, for me, Thomas J. Henry. Okay. However, Thomas J. Henry is one heck of a hustler. And I'm not saying it in a negative way. I'm saying it in he understands omnipresence. And what I mean by that is being everywhere. Because if you constantly see Thomas J. Henry on Instagram, on Facebook, on the TV, on the radio, and the Snapchat, whatever it is, this guy is, is uh, putting money behind Latino festivals. Think about it. He's putting money behind all this stuff. So what happens is, what did I say earlier? The first or the only one that comes to mind is who? Oh, Thomas J. Henry. He's everywhere. Mm -hmm. So what happens is when you look at someone like Thomas J. Henry, the Thomas J. Henry brand dominates everybody else, right? Now, let's talk about is he the best or is he the favorite? Depending on what he does and how he ties himself into the actual community is whether he's going to be the favorite attorney or the best. Now, some people might say a bet the best attorney could be because what do they do? $50 million settlement number. I could put an eye in a billboard on the highway. <laughs> Think about it. So yeah. when you see those double digit million dollar numbers, you're like, oh, he's the best. Or she could be. She's the best. But. The going back to restaurants, the best restaurants in the city don't always have a line out the door. You know which ones do? The favorite ones do. Got it. And if you're a business owner or an entrepreneur that owns a restaurant and whatever, you want people lined up out the door dying to get and in. And how do they become the favorite? It depends on the whole marketing campaigns that you do when you push out. I what I did, I put this actually on Instagram the other day. Okay, it was a. Uh, uh, Chila, some Chila Kill, something like that, okay, is the name of the restaurant. I did a breakdown of a one-page ad in Community Impact, okay, of, that's probably at least six, seven, eight hundred dollars, maybe a thousand bucks. Yeah, about a thousand. Yeah, about a thousand dollars. And I did a breakdown, and they're talking about, just FYI, taking up about uh, one-fifth of the page, was talking about how long they've been in business. Number one, people don't care. And I've been saying this for years because I realize this myself. People don't care if you've been around since 1929 or 1985 or 1995. They don't care. They want to know, are you going to save me money? And is it what I'm looking for? And will you benefit my life? If I'm good, good, good example in that specific ad, you have to spend 20, uh, you get $5 off $25 or more, right? Now let's break this down. Nowhere on that advertisement did it say anything about couples or family. If I'm a single guy, I'm not going to go to a restaurant of any kind and spend 25 bucks, first of all. I mean, unless I'm going to maybe a, soup, a fancy steakhouse or whatever, right? With advertising, you're talking to one person. You're talking to one person that says, that is me. 
Oh my gosh, they're talking to me. Oh my gosh, why don't I have that? Why this? Why th- I need that in my life? You're talking to one person. But when I see an advertisement like that specific restaurant, it said you got to spend 25. And by the way, the discount was the smallest thing almost on the actual uh, advertisement. So first of all, if I'm a single guy and I got to spend 25 to save five, you've, you've already, you know, X'd me out. Mm-hmm. But now if it says couples or families and then it showed the $25 price point, now they know who they're talking to. Do you get what I'm saying? And that's the thing that a lot of business owners don't understand. They might know how to run a business really good, but they don't know how to grow a business really good. And that's why so many business owners only have one location for the life of their business. Got it. Think about it. I will do that. But does it make sense? It makes sense. It makes sense. Guys, we're almost out of time here, yes, and I definitely want to invite you back for a few more episodes. This is interesting. Of course. Uh, is there anything you'd like to say just to kind of wrap up this uh, this this episode? No, no, j- just to all the business owners or entrepreneurs, because obviously as we, you listen to more that we end up, you know, the JR and Tamak end up putting out, I want you to really stop and ask yourself, why are you in business to begin with? What's your whole goal with your business? What, what is really your goal? Because that's the question I ask people. What's your goal with all this? And that's one of the hardest questions for them to answer. They really don't know. It's kind of like marriage. Why are you still married to her? Uh, Yeah, I love her. I don't know. Do you see what I'm saying? There again, that's another comment I'm not going to (laughs) answer. Well, no, no, I mean, but it's, you know, for some people, man or woman, doesn't matter. So, uh, uh, yeah, obviously, what are you in it for? Are you better off as a technician, you know, the one doing the technical work? Are you better as just the one operating, the operations manager? Or should you be the entrepreneur and hire other people to do the other stuff? Find what you're good at, capitalize on that or push for that and get other people to do the other things uh, and do it for the passion, not for the chase of the money. Money comes and goes, but your happiness should be there forever. Great. We yes, thank you for being on the show. Yes, sir. Uh, we're going to look forward to having you back. And we're going to get this thing aired real quick before we have a cease and desist order from Thomas J. Henry. <laughs> hey, I love the guy's hustle. So <laughs> I like him. He's a good guy. All right, folks, you've been listening to the Latino Business Report brought to you by TAMAC, the Texas Association of Mexican American Chambers of Commerce. <laughs>